Hello, it's David here, and thank you for listening to The Leader. Do subscribe if you can. Just hit the subscribe or follow button wherever you get your podcasts from. And drop us a line too. Get in touch on social media with the hashtag The Leader Podcast. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. They want the next presidential debate to be virtual and Donald Trump's refusing to take part. The fact is it wouldn't be the setting that Trump thrives in, but there's still an opportunity there to have good discussion and good debate on real policies. Julie Norman from UCL's Center on US Politics says the race to the White House takes yet another twist. And EasyJet has made remarkable profits over the years, even when times have been tough. Now, unsurprisingly, for their financial year, when they actually had half the number of passengers. Travel journalist Simon Calder on the woes of EasyJet, and we mark the last flight of the iconic 747. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, will the second presidential debate be virtual or even happen at all? Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. Way back in 1960, ABC News held what we would now call a virtual presidential debate. That event was the third televised showdown between Kennedy and Nixon. Political historians generally agree Nixon won it, but of course the damage had already been done to his campaign by the first. Sixty years later, the Commission on Presidential Debates says it's going to do it all again. With Donald Trump currently carrying coronavirus, it wants the candidates in separate rooms for health and safety. But Mr Trump says he won't do it. Joining me now is Julie Norman from the UCL Centre on US Politics. Julie, if this does go ahead, will it work? Well, David, I certainly think that it could. I mean, obviously, a virtual debate is not ideal. It's not ideal for the candidates or for the viewers. But just as we've seen through a lot of things in this very different year with Corona, a lot of us had had to adapt to virtual platforms. And and it wouldn't be impossible for a debate. We would still get to hear from the candidates. We'd still get to hear the responses from questions. Um, the fact is, it wouldn't be the setting that Trump thrives in, but there's still an opportunity there to have good discussion and good debate on real policies. Now, obviously, all of this is just happening as we record just now, Julie. But I'm wondering, would it make good TV? Would people watch it? You know, I think that 
this is something that, of course, the networks have been thinking about too. But I think we saw with the conventions that even something that seemed like it would not work, like a virtual convention, with the proper forethought and being able to design it well, it actually was a more compelling viewing experience for most people watching and people really liked that format. Um, and so I don't think it would necessarily preclude people from watching, especially those who are the types to really be tuning into debates at this point anyway. Now, if Donald Trump does stick to his guns, refuses to do this debate, would not having a debate have any impact on an election? How much impact do these second and third debates have? Yeah, well, certainly the first debate is usually the most crucial. It's really when the first time that we hear the two candidates face to face like that. The second and third don't usually attract quite as much viewership. But with that said, it's still a really crucial time in the race to be building momentum, to be trying to convince your supporters to go out to the polls and be trying to get those last few undecided voters. Um, with this election season and with Trump as one of the candidates, of course, everything is a bit different. Um, the first debate was really seen as such a debacle and a disaster by most viewers, as, as well as analysts and commentators, that I think not having a second and third debate would not be um, awful by some people's assessments. But at the same time, some people are hoping that there's a chance to see something better and actually hear something more substantial from these two candidates that we didn't hear in the first. So would it actually suit Joe Biden's campaign more if there wasn't a second debate, as Donald Trump is currently behind in the polls? He's the one who has to gain the most, isn't he? Well, it's true. I mean, Biden is certainly leading right now. And, you know, a lot, obviously, as we know, can change very quickly day to day in these kinds of races. Um, Biden is really just trying to hold on to that lead. Um, with that said, a debate is something that Biden usually performs fairly well at. He's still trying to make sure that he can mobilize voters to come out for him on election day. And so it really wouldn't hurt him to have another another debate. And of course, we had the debate last night between the, the vice presidential candidates. That seemed to go a bit more smoothly than the first presidential debate, although there was this issue with a fly on Mike Pence's hair that seems to have attracted the most attention. But it was quite a successful debate format, wasn't it? Indeed, yes. The fly certainly got the buzz, as it were. But, um, you know, this debate was definitely more of what we're used to, a lot more civil in tone, definitely still sharp exchanges between Kamala Harris and Mike Pence, but a bit more focus on substance and just a bit more civility between the two of them. Um, no real surprises one way or another, but, you know, we heard the topics that we expected to hear about Kamala Harris pressing Mike Pence on the pandemic in particular, hearing a lot more about health care, racial protests and other um, issues that are actually affecting Americans. It was almost normal, wasn't it, Julie? It was almost normal. It was strikingly almost normal. Next. They repeated their call for an end to the endless changing of government restrictions and basically just said, right, government, uh, yeah, you really got to help us out. Travel journalist Simon Calder as EasyJet posts its first ever loss. Air traffic control at Heathrow bid farewell to BA's last remaining 747 planes as they took off on their last flight before being retired. On board the crew, 
mark the end of an era. Thanks for your assistance over the years. It's been a pleasure and a privilege on behalf of all pilots and crew to fly this aircraft. It's a, with a heavy heart that we take this aircraft on this last flight. Thank you very much. It's been a difficult day for the airline industry and historic in more ways than one. EasyJet has announced its first ever loss and says it's cutting flight numbers in the wake of coronavirus. Our editorial column says the industry clearly needs help. EasyJet's disastrous loss of £845 million is a stark warning to the government that when you hesitate and offer false promises, the UK's industries will fall through the door. Only yesterday, ministers announced a task force to tackle airports and testing. It will not report back until November. Instead, a third of the government's resources are focused on Brexit, and the Prime Minister talks of plans ten years ahead. We urgently need more serious, detailed, intelligent focus on the now and the forthcoming 18 months, not just wind farms for 2030. Travel journalist Simon Calder joins me now. Simon, this EasyJet announcement is not a surprise, but it is still a bit of a shock to the system. Well, EasyJet um, has made remarkable uh, profits over the years, even when times have been tough. Um, They've managed to, would you believe, um, make a profit every single year, which is something that very few airlines have managed to do. Now, unsurprisingly, um, for their financial year, which, bear in mind, um, really began October last year and continues until the end of September this year, Well, that is as good as it gets in terms of the current uh, coronavirus problem. They actually had half the number of passengers. So it wasn't actually that bad. I mean, I I imagine the next financial year is going to be far, far worse because it will include all of the effects of coronavirus. Um, But in notable that they repeated their call for an end to the um, endless changing of government restrictions and basically just said, right, government, uh, yeah, you really got to help us out. Um, it's effectively six months since the uh, UK uh, decided that the uh, coronavirus meant the shutdown of aviation. And as a result of that, we have seen um, all kinds of um, miserable job forecasts and so on. And actually, if you, you don't need to go too far back. Um, I mean, it's four months today since uh, a blanket quarantine was introduced to the amazement of the world. Couldn't believe that uh, Britain had lifted its very specifically targeted quarantine in the middle of the pandemic at its worst and then put it back on when everything was getting better. Um, but since then, it's just been you know, uh, chopping and changing, lifting quarantine, putting quarantine back on um, and in, in the process destroying all uh, customer confidence. I mean, EasyJet didn't say, although I dare say one or two of them were thinking it, is if the um, government was doing its absolute best to destroy uh, what genuinely was a world-class industry um, at the start of uh, uh, this year, then they are going exactly the right way about it. They do seem to be hinting at looking for uh, a government bailout. They wouldn't be the only airline looking for that, Simon. Is such a thing possible? Oh, of course. I mean, look, uh, the aviation industry has been sort of slightly um, uh, slightly muddled in, in its, its thinking. So been, been, uh, had a twin track approach and the whole of the travel industry, really. It said, you've got to help us out financially because we're going through a really tough time. And... Just let us fly. 
will be all right. Um, and those those two messages are kind of slightly conflicting. And I dare say, you know, the, the government has um, has been able to kind of get away with a total lack of attention to the um, the the industry because, you know, frankly, the, the list of demands was overwhelming. Um, I, I, I think when the pressure starts to build will be obviously when we see thousands more very sad job losses um, when, when all the government support systems um, uh, run out. When we see perhaps one or two airports actually closing, um, I, I think the pressure will actually come from Tory backbenchers um, who are horrified about what's happening to their constituents rather than anything that the airlines or the trade unions um, or the various uh, trade associations say. Um, the government uh, is, is, has given every impression of being prepared to sacrifice the travel industry. Um, the trouble is a lot of people are saying, well, hang on, um, how much damage is international travel actually doing? And the answer seems to be, well, not very much. But um, that hasn't stopped the uh, government closing it down. Today, BA retired at 747 fleet. I'm sure you've been on one or two of those planes in your time. How do you feel today, Simon? Oh, exactly the same as I felt yesterday, which is that, um, uh, uh, yeah, of course, it democratised travel. But this is it started a revolution 50 years ago. Um, that was when things became transformed, when suddenly the scale of passenger aircraft increased by two and a half times and, uh, and democratised travel in the process because fares had to fall in order to fill all those extra seats. So it's sort of done all the heavy lift lifting, literally, um, it's now time for all the old four engine gas guzzlers to um, be broken up, which sadly the last two British Airways ones will be. Um, and then the future is uh, much quieter and much greener. And that's the leader. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4 p.m.